0: are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org,
1: a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel
0: message. I'm speaking tonight on three pictures in the Word of God that portray or display or give to us Earth's madness heaven's gladness and hell's sadness now I said the other night before I read I'd like to say this I said in announcing the subject the Bible is a most unique book there is nothing ordinary about the word of God everything about the Bible is extraordinary and you can't deny that any man that will read the word of God with an open heart and an open mind with no preconceived ideas with no prejudices If a man will read this book with an open mind, he must admit that it is not, and it could not be the product of human thinking. The Bible is unusual. Now, these three pictures in the Gospel of Luke are hanging side by side, one right after the other in chapters 14, 15, and 16. And when we see them hanging side by side, we know... That it was not an accident, and it was not by chance that the Holy Spirit put these three word pictures in the Word of God, hanging side by side. First of all, we have a picture of Earth's madness. Look at Luke chapter fourteen, and we'll begin reading with verse twenty-two in Luke chapter fourteen, and verse twenty-two, or verse sixteen it is, and we'll read down through verse twenty-four. Uh, Luke 14 and verse 16. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many. A certain man made a great supper and bade many. And sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. I made the statement I believe was Sunday afternoon in the sermon. And I'm not critical. I believe a call to preach Or a call to the mission field is a call to prepare and a call to study. Now, I believe there are some people saved late in life. And I believe it is physically impossible for them to go to school. I believe it's physically impossible for them to leave home because many times they have a large family and they don't have the money and various and sundry things. And God knows what he's doing when he saves them. And God knows what he's doing when he calls a man to preach. And there may be a few exceptions to the rule, but if a man, a young man or a young woman who is called into the ministry or called into the mission field, if they're too lazy to study and prepare, they're not fit to preach the gospel. I don't care who they are. So don't misunderstand me. But what I said that for is to say this. We ministers study and study and keep on studying to learn how to say big words and make great swelling statements to impress people. But Jesus talked about lilies and sparrows and the sower and the grain and the rocks and milk and bread and darkness and light and salt. Amen? Say huh? And who doesn't know the understanding of those words? With the exception of proper names and cities and countries and a few things like that, There are very few words in this Bible that you need a dictionary to look them up and see what they mean when you read them. You agree with what they say? Now, in this account here, the man made a great supper. I like that. I like that too. The Bible's down to earth. Now, some poor folks, they have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But us country folks got it on you. We have a set in the eggs plus a slice of ham for breakfast with hot biscuits. Amen. Now this toast and butter junk. Amen, brother. Set in the eggs. Amen. That's right. It takes a set in the eggs and two pots of coffee to get me going every morning. You say, preacher, it's a sin to drink coffee. By the grace of God plus coffee, I get going. Amen. You say, that's sacrilegious. No, that's a fact. So us country folks have it on you city folks who have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We have a set of eggs plus ham and bacon and hot biscuits for breakfast. Then we have a good old dinner at 12 o'clock. Amen. Swargas board where you go back four or five times. Amen. And then in the evening we have supper. Amen, folks. Say, huh? Yes, sirree. So you see, we have Bible for eating supper. And if you folks want to miss out on a good old supper and have your dinner at 6 o'clock, go ahead. I can't help it. But I'm going to have my... This is the truth. You mean I believe this? Miss Green sitting over there and she'll, she'll vouch for it. She'll prove it to you. She'll she'll tell you that I'm telling the truth. If you think I'm lying, you know she'd tell the truth. In my early ministry, just a couple of years after we were married, a lady came up to me one night carrying her glasses on a stick, you know, like this, holding them up on her nose. And I never did figure that out. I don't understand save my life why anybody would want to carry their glasses around on a stick when God give you a nose and two ears to hang them on. Amen. I don't understand that. What do you think, God, put these things on the side of your head for? Hang your glasses on. There's certainly nothing good looking about your ears. If you think there is, look in the mirror when you go home tonight. And see what a conglomeration it is. Amen. So I thank God that I have a place to hang my glasses. And the only reason I'm not preaching in glasses tonight, I can see better without them than I can with them. I need them. But when I start perspiring, of course, uh, they haven't invented windshield wipers for glasses yet. And so I'm better off without them. I'd be wearing them if I could. I need them. But now, what I'm saying is this. I was in a meeting, just married. This lady came up, dressed fit to kill, carrying her glasses on a stick, and she looked up at me and she said, Reverend, she said, I certainly would be happy to have you and your wife out for dinner tomorrow night. Well, I said, we'd be happy to come. She said, for dinner. She didn't say tomorrow night. She said, dinner. We sure would like to have you folks for dinner. And I said, I'd be glad to come. When? Tomorrow, she said. And this is the truth. If I never tell, never preach another sermon, this is so. The next day at twelve o'clock, I rung her doorbell. I'm from the country. We eat dinner at twelve o'clock. We don't eat dinner at six o'clock. And she came to the door. Now this is a fact. She came to the door. She looked at me and she said, "Well," said hello, preacher. I said, uh, "How do you do, ma'am?" I could tell by her expression something bad, wrong. And uh, she stuttered and stammered and sputtered. And uh, I I said, uh, I I believe I'm at the right house. She said, you're at the right house the wrong time. I said, didn't you ask me last night to have dinner with you today? She said, I did. I said, well, I'm here for dinner. She said, this is lunch. We have dinner at 6. I said, I have dinner at 12. Amen. I went and got my dinner. Yes, sir. Now, this is a supper, and I, I had rather eat at night. I don't know something about it. I'd rather eat at night than in the daytime. I mean, it's always, uh, to me, supper is always the real meal. When I was at home, I always looked forward to supper when I was a boy. So this man made not just a supper, but he made a great supper, and he invited many, a great number, and he sent his servants at supper time to say to them that were bidden, come for all things are now ready, and they all with one consent, begin to give their legitimate reasons for not being able to attend. Amen. Huh? Huh? Are you going to let me get away with that? That's the reason I ask you to bring your Bible. Now, some of you precious people, and I say this tenderly, and I say it in love, some of you who don't have a Bible, you don't see a thing in the world wrong with what I did, but I butchered the Word of God. Now they didn't give reasons for not being able to attend. The Bible said, for they all a double L without exception began. They all with one consent began to make. Is that right? Say, they began to make what? Say it for me. Make excuse. All right. The first said unto him, I bought a piece of ground and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excuse. Another said, I bought uh, five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. I pray you have me excuse. Another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said unto his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring it here the poor and the maimed, and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I send you that none of those men which were bidden to my house uh, which were bidden shall taste to my supper now of course this uh, uh, dispensationally and primarily is speaking of the Jew speaking of Israel to whom the Lord Jesus came but I want to bring it down to our present day and I want to make a present day application now I say that this picture this word picture hanging in our Bible in Luke chapter 14 shows us and displays for earth, us earth's madness earth's madness why do I say that? I say that because everybody enjoys eating if you're a normal man, if you are a normal woman, if you are a normal person, you enjoy eating. That all it does. Amen. Yes, sir. that's the best amen I've had since I got here. But I thank you. I appreciate that. Now. How many of you folks do not enjoy meeting, eating? You do not enjoy meeting together at homes or maybe at a cafeteria or a restaurant or someplace, a picnic, a homecoming. How many of you do not enjoy eating? Put your hand up high. It wouldn't be too hard for me tonight to change my subject and preach on liars. I can do that most any time. But I'm glad I won't have to. Amen. It's like the colored preacher, bless his heart, down south, he told his... He knew his uh, folks weren't reading their Bible. He knew they were not spiritual, and he said to his, his members, he said, I want you to... I'm going to preach next Sunday morning on liars. And he said, I want every one of my members, and especially my deacons, to read Luke chapter 17. The next Sunday morning he got up to preach his, his sermon on liars. He said, How many of my folks, especially my deacons, have read Luke 17? Raise your hand. Hands went up all over the place. He said, "You're the bunch of liars that I'm preaching to. They're not 17 chapters in Luke. Amen." So you couldn't have read. I mean, Mark. I I should have said Mark. I said Luke. I'm in. I'm in Luke, but I'm in Mark. 17 chapters in Mark, and he said they're not there, so they couldn't have read them. Now they are 17 in Luke. That's where we are now. All right. Now let's move back to this. And he sent. He made a supper, a great supper, and he invited a great number of people. Now watch this very closely because it's a picture of our salvation. He sent his servant at supper time. Servant, S-E-R-V-A-N-T, singular at supper time, to say to them that were bidden or invited, Come, C-O-M-E, for one little word. Say it, one little word. Say that again. For all things are now what? Say it, ready. All in this world that they had to do, all that he requested them to do, All that they were called upon to do was to simply come, just come, that's all. Everything else is furnished, everything is ready, everything is prepared. You simply come, that's all. Now that's what Jesus said. Jesus said, it is what? Says. There's not one thing you can add to the finished salvation that Jesus purchased, paid for, and finished in his shed blood through his sacrificial death, burial, resurrection. The Son of God came to pay the sin debt to bear our sins, and he did, and he finished the work the Father sent him to do. He completed the mission that he came to earth for, and just before he died, he said, It is finished, and the invitation is simply, Let him that is thirsty... Come and drink of the water of life freely, is that right Say. Well, let me ask you a simple, down-to-earth, intelligent, reasonable question. Is it madness? Is it madness for a person to be invited to receive salvation, everlasting life, and all that you can do and all God asks you to, do? is to receive the finished work of his Son, for you to hear that message, to hear that invitation, and to face that invitation, and then turn it down. Is that not madness? Answer me, say. We talk about Judas is carrying it, selling the Lord for 30 pieces of silver. There are men and women, in Chambersburg and Fedville and all over this countryside, selling Jesus Christ much cheaper than the price of 30 pieces of silver. There are people, and I'm not afraid to say there are people under this canvas tonight that would like to be saved if you didn't think you'd have to give up some little silly, frivolous, foolish habit or sin to get saved. But because you've got to give up your beer, your poker playing, your dancing, or some other little something or some other something that you think that you're enjoying, and you say, if I've got to give it up, then I just won't come. God have mercy. And God pity such foolishness and such insanity and such madness. Now, will you look this way and listen to me just a moment? Well, you say, Mr. Green... Don't I have to give up those things? We'll discuss that tonight if the Lord leads, I don't have it on schedule now, but if the Lord leads, I'll preach a sermon on that line one of these nights. What must I give up or lay down or quit or lay aside? I'm not sure I will. I may and I may not. I'm not saying that for sure because I don't know yet. Now watch this. The servant went out and he said, in essence, The animals are killed. The oxen, the lambs, the sheep are butchered. The meat is prepared. The bread is baked. The dessert is ready. The table is set. The food's on the table. All things, everything is ready. And my master tells me to tell you to come. And the first man said, I bought a piece of ground. and I'll have to be excused. How silly. How foolish. How frivolous. How empty. Any man that's got a half a grain of common sense wouldn't buy a piece of ground until he first saw it. Amen. Or until he had a legitimate representative to see it. You agree with me? Say, you wouldn't buy a lot. You wouldn't buy a two hundred and fifty dollar lot. You wouldn't buy a hundred dollar lot without first seeing it or have some real estate broker to see it. You know that's the truth. But this man said I bought a piece of ground and I'm not hungry, I can't eat. I appreciate your generosity, I appreciate your kindness, I appreciate your thinking of me, I appreciate all the trouble you've gone through, all the money you've spent. But you'll have to excuse me, I'm going over to see my little piece of ground. And there's still a lot of folks going to hell, walking over their farms and their lots and their real estate and their business on Sunday morning, bless God they ought to be in church. But the next man said, I bought five yoke of oxygen and I must go and prove them. I bought five yoke, that's ten. I bought them, they're mine. And I'm going over and find out if I have oxen or milk cows. I really don't know. So I'm going over tonight and plow them. Now you can get a tractor with lights on it, but oxen don't come equipped with lights, and you can't plow in the dark and folks eat supper at night. Amen. So his excuse is just as silly, just as frivolous, just as empty. You don't buy a mule or a horse or an oxen until you first find out if you want. Amen. Answer me. this man said he bought five yokes. He didn't just buy one yoke, he bought five. Never seen them. Don't know where they're plowing up. But I'm going over tonight and prove them. Earth's madness. For instance, these pastors, they know it better than I do. They get out here and you church members who do visitation. You go out here and you knock on the door and man comes to the door, has his bedroom shoes on and a uh, T-shirt and a pair of good, cool slats and knock on the door and he says, sir, we're having revival down at our church. And we're so glad to have you come. He says, well, I just don't have time. You see, I work so hard all day. I only time I have to rest is at night, and I rest at night. And uh, Some folks are like the lady in Norfolk, Virginia. I was there in a the tent seven weeks in Norfolk. That was back yonder in another age, another world, another generation, another time. Some of the folks here are flabbergasted that we're going to stay here four weeks. We're going to stay, brother, if this thing will stay in the Amen. And if things don't change, we may stay to frost. <laughs> Paul preached to one group twelve weeks, three months. Amen. And let me let you in on a secret that you may not appreciate, but bless God you need it whether you appreciate it or not your city my city and every city in the United States needs a 12 weeks revival amen every one of them needs. it but I was in Norfolk and I carried this dear lady my laundry and dry cleaning week after week after week after week dry cleaning laundry and I kept asking her in the last week I said lady we're closing Sunday that is on Monday morning I said we're closing Sunday you haven't been to the meeting yet I'd like for you to come. She said, Preacher, I told you I can't come. I work. I said, Listen, you don't run this place on Sunday. And I said, We have a service at 3 and again at night. She said, No, I don't work here. But she said, When in the name of common sense, you think I'm going to do my laundry, scrub my floors, and clean my house? She said, I do that on Sunday. Now, of course, when she dies and stands before God Almighty... The Lord will just say to the angels you'll have to excuse her if she had to work a dry cleaning plant but she couldn't go to church because she had to clean the house on Sunday. Don't kid yourself. If you're too busy to go to church, if you're too busy to study the Bible, if you're too busy to pray, if you're too busy to live for God, you're too busy. You better slow down, brother. This world keep on turning after you're dead. Now the last one. The first man put ground before a feast and a friend. The second man put cows before a feast and a friend. The third man said, I've married a wife and the natural thing to do immediately after a marriage is to go to a feast. But his was singular. His marriage took away his appetite. He wasn't hungry. But I will give him credit for not making an excuse. He flatly said, I cannot come. And some fellas haven't been able to budge since they said, I do. Amen. They really haven't. But don't tell it. Be ashamed of it. Because God put the trousers on you, buddy, and if she's wearing them, it's not God's fault. God didn't take them off. She did. God said, man's the head of the house. Amen. Say, I'm going to preach to women here two weeks from Sunday night. And the next Saturday night, I'm going to preach to men. And hides will be three cents a bushel. All taxes paid. Amen. If you want to know what's wrong with the United States, it's not Washington. It's not Hollywood. It's not the distillery. It's not the bootleggers. It's mothers and daddies. That's what's wrong with America. Now, third man said, I'm sorry, I can't be there. Now, I want to, let's nail this down because I must. It's absolutely necessary that I move. I, I just got to move and can't do justice to any of this, but I had to put all three together. Really, I'm preaching three sermons tonight, one, and they're full sermons, but I just want to give you the skeleton. Now, this is a picture of earth's madness. Everything prepared, everything furnished, everything free, everything ready. And all in the world, the master of the house asked the guest to do is to simply come. And that's all Jesus asked you to do. Come unto me, all ye that labor heavily, and I will give you what? Him that cometh to me, I will know wise what? The Spirit and the bride say what? Let him that hear it say what? And let him that is thirsty do what? Drink of the come and drink of the water of life freely. Come, 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 come. All in the world that you as a poor sinner can do is come to Jesus and let Jesus save you. All things are ready. And it's madness, it's insanity, it's foolishness to hear the story, recognize the need of the story, and know that you're hungry, and then put ground and business and a family ahead of Jesus Christ. The next one is heaven's gladness. We we'll won't take but a moment here. Luke fifteen. Now, Luke 15 is not three parables. It's one parable in three parts. First, a lost sheep. Second, a lost coin. Third, a lost son. The shepherd left the ninety and nine and searched till he found the one. And when he found the one, he returned rejoicing. Amen? The woman had ten pieces of money. Let's say she had ten silver dollars. She lost one silver dollar. Luke fifteen, eight, and following. She had nine silver dollars, but she had no peace or rest, and there was no joy rejoicing and shouting until she found the one that was lost. And then when she found the one that was lost, she called in her friends and she said, Rejoice, I found the piece of money. And the Bible says in Luke 15:10, likewise, that is in the same manner, in the same fashion, I send you. There is joy in heaven, or there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And in verse seven of the same chapter, Luke 15:7, I send you that likewise, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Is that right? Amen. Say. Now, I said this the other night, and some of you are not gonna like it, but it's mutual. I don't care whether you like it or not. You can lack it or lump it, take it or leave it, it doesn't make sense to me. But if I was your pastor and you didn't attend the Sunday night service, the Wednesday night service, and when you have revival, if you're not in a, at work, if you're not sick, if you're not providentially hindered, when you have revival in your church, if you didn't attend every service of that revival, if you didn't come to visitation on Tuesday night, or Thursday night or Saturday night, whenever you have this station if you didn't come to this station, if you didn't give 10% of your income, if you make $100 a week, if you didn't put a check for $10 in that offering pan on Sunday, if you was that kind of a fella, and I was your pastor, and I was preaching some Sunday morning or Sunday night, and you were sitting out there, and you read back and said, Amen! I'd read back and say, Shut up! A man that'll rob God and won't win souls ought to keep your mouth shut. You said, I'll never come back to you, you preach again. That's all right, but I'll cut your horns off while I got you. Amen. I'll dehorn you one time before you die. A man that don't tithe his income ought to keep his mouth shut. A man that doesn't win songs ought to keep his mouth
1: shut.
0: And I'm going to be very frank with you. I haven't seen much in Greenville, South Carolina lately to make me want to shout. And I think if you'll be honest you'll have to confess the same thing about Chambersburg. Souls going to hell wholesale. Before it's on the increase liquor drinking, on the increase beer drinking, wine, bibbing, God bless you, adultery, fornication, murder, sin, crime, shame, debauchery.
1: I don't see much in the United
0: States to shout about. Do you say God give us a revival and put the shout back in the church. Now let's read. And I can't just just hit this in high spots because I must be through preaching in a very few minutes. Watch it. Luke fifteen twelve, Luke fifteen eleven, uh, It said a certain man had two sons. And the other then said his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall into me, and he divided unto him his living. He asked for his inheritance and the Father gave it to him. You say, why did he do it? You're not supposed to ask why did he do it. I ask you, you say, why does God allow this and why does God allow that and why does God allow the other? That's none of my business. God knows what he's doing. Why does the bootlegger drive a Cadillac and you have to drive an old, dilapidated, worn-out automobile and you love God and win souls? Why? You're not supposed to ask why. We'll drive our Cadillacs after a while. Amen say preacher you drive a Cadillac no I drive a Buick the reason I drive a Buick I got a Buick dealer saved and I can buy a Buick cheaper and you can buy a Ford and if I ever get a Cadillac dealer saved bless God I'll drive a cat amen I'll drive one just haven't got one saved yet
1: there
0: may be some saved ones I'm not saying there isn't there may be some saved ones I just haven't met him Some of you folks think I'm crazy. But if this is insanity I'm afflicted with, I thank God I am. Amen. i I'm glad. listen, I'm happy. Are you I'm enjoying are you enjoying life? Huh? I am. Now, you're not supposed to ask why. Verse 13, and not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey in the far country. There wasted his substance in riotous living, and when he had spilled all he arose there rose a mighty family in the land, and he began to be in war and he went and joined himself into a cities of that country, and he seemed the field to feed the swine. And he would fain to fill his belly with a husk that the swine did eat no man gave unto him. Now watch this when he came to himself. When he came to himself. You don't have to look at that and scratch your head and ask any questions. The man wasn't himself. And when a sinner, when a man that's drinking, lying, stealing, living in sin and ungodliness, when he comes to himself, he'll come to Jesus. He's drunk on pleasure, lust, and sin. And when he sobers up, he'll come to Jesus if he ever sobers up. Now the prodigal was sitting with a hog pen watching the old hogs eat. When he came to said he said, How many hard servants of my fathers have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. Now watch it. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me one of the hard servants. Now that's the place of humility. And that's where every sinner must meet Jesus. And when we get to the place that we're willing to become a servant, God makes us a son. Amen. And so he said, I want to be put on the payroll. Now look at verse 20. Now he said all this while he was sitting down at the hog It's mighty easy to talk. Listen to me. Look up here at me just a minute. Look at Oliver Green just a minute. Look right here at me. It's mighty easy to get humble and pray and confess when the baby's about to die. I don't put any stock in deathbed repentance. You let some old bird that's cussed God's preachers and cussed the church and cussed the Bible and cussed God, let him get out of here and get his neck broke, get his back broke up there in the hospital about to die. And the first thing he does, he calls a doctor. And the next thing he does, he calls about six poochers. Amen or not, say. And he promises God everything in the book if God let him live. And I've seen too many of them get out of the hospital and go to church one Sunday and then kiss God and the church goodbye. And you have too. There's one case of deathbed repentance, a thief on the cross, and that's the first chance you ever had to be saved. Now, don't put it off to your deathbed, mister. You may be too busy going to hell to pray. Now, the prodigal made up his prayer. And formed his confession while listening to the hogs eat. There's nothing wrong with sloth and hogs. I have nothing against Jews or Seventh day Adventists. But I thank God I'm not a Jew nor a Seventh day Adventist because I sure do love the hind leg of a hog fried right. Amen. And I'm glad I don't have to lay off hog meat. I'm glad that my salvation is not meats and abstaining from meats. So he's sitting down with a hog pen. He's listening to the hogs eat. And he said, uh, I'm going to my daddy and I'm going to say, Dad, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against thee. I've, I've disgraced heaven, disgraced you. I've sinned, I've sinned, I've sinned. And I don't want to be a son. I'm not fit to be a son. just want you to make me a servant and put me on the payroll and let me eat with the servants. Now he did all that while he was sitting with a hog pin. but we read right here. Verse 20 And he arose and he came to his father. But, hallelujah, when he was yet a great way off his father's saw him. Now you know what that tells me? That father had been looking in the direction that boy disappeared ever since the day he left home. God's looking your way tonight. Amen. And a seeking sinner and a seeking Savior don't have too much trouble getting together. So when he was yet a great way off, the Father saw him. He had compassion, and he ran, and he fell on his neck, and he kissed him. Hog, pin, clothes, and all. He didn't say, take a bath. He didn't say, get a haircut. He didn't say get a shave. He fell on him and he kissed him, hugged him, clothes and all. God don't want you to get up to get sa- get cleaned up to get saved. God wants you to get saved so God can clean you up. Amen. You say, Mister Green, I can't get saved tonight. I got some liquor at home in the ice box. I got some beard home in the ice box. You say, Preacher is it a sin to drink beer? Certainly is. You say, Well, preacher, some doctors put people on beer to make them fat. If beer is sinful, why will it make you fat? Good slop will make any hog fat.
1: <laughs>
0: you don't have to get rid of your beer. I don't see why anybody wanna drink beer when buttermilk's as cheap as it is. And a can of beer smells just exactly like my daddy's slop barrel used to smell. You have to learn to drink the slop and God has to give you grace to quit it. Now, the father ran, fell on his snake and kissed him. Now I want you to watch this. And the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven. Now that's verbatim. I have sinned against heaven. Verse 18. And in thy sight, up there he says, before thee. And then he said, I, let, let me read it right here. Verse, uh, he said, I have sinned against heaven. And in thy sight, I have no word to call thy son. Now that's up there and that's down here. But he didn't get any further. Now down by the hog pen he said, make me one of the hired servants. But he didn't get that in. When you come to the Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus and humble yourself and you're willing to be made a servant, God will make a son out of you. You won't have to ask God to make a servant out of you. Just tell Him you're not fit to be a son and He'll make a son out of you. Now let's hurry. And the Son, verse 22, But the Father said unto the servants, bring forth a patched up sewed up second hand robe because we're not sure that he's going to stay at home he might leave again I got sinus trouble this atmosphere is me. did he say that huh? huh God don't have any second clothes God doesn't have any second hand salvation makes me sick you let some bird out in Hollywood get saved and uh, some movie star like uh, some of that gang out there and uh, they don't quit the movies though they're still making movies but they're a great, great Christian with a great testimony And they'll buy billboards up and down Route 30 and put a full page ad in the paper. So and so converted dope peddlers come into Chambersburg to give their great testimony. They had a great experience. God Almighty, don't pass out anything but great experiences, amen. God don't have any inferior experiences. If you've had one, mister, it's great, amen. Say amen. Makes me sick. And let some poor little liquor head get saved out here, bless God in the slums. And Mister, they won't pay him as much attention as a pay train pays a tramp. They don't call on him to give his testimony. You preacher, sure you talking about? I don't know if your phone's ringing. Answer it. I don't know. I just dial the numbers. I might as well go ahead and nail this down while I'm nailing because I'm not going to get a chance to nail some of you anymore. This is the last time I'll nail you. See, preach, you can't get rich doing that. God didn't call me to get rich. God called me to preach the gospel. You say, preach, you can't fill the tent preaching like that. God didn't call me to fill the tent. God called me to preach. You say, green, you can't have crowds talk like that. God didn't call me to preach to crowds. God called me to preach. I might as well nail this down. You let some liquor store operator, some beer operator, some bartender, some dance hall gal get saved and join the church. And the Browns still go home with the Greens this Sunday to have dinner. And then the next Sunday, the Greens go home with the Browns for dinner. And then the next Sunday, the Smiths go home with the Browns and the Browns go home with the Smiths. And the Smiths go over to the Grooms for a little fellowship. And that poor baby sits out there and backslides, and then you scratch your head and say, "Well, I didn't expect her to hold out." No, bless God, you did everything. God said you couldn't have keep her from holding out. Amen. Simon! When a bootlegger gets saved, why don't you invite him over to your house and feed him? What did that gang of dignified Jews say about Jesus? They said he's going to be the guest of a man that's a sinner, huh? And look at it—he's sitting by the well talking to a harlot. And look at it—claims to be a prophet. If he was a prophet, he'd know the woman's a sinner. I'm going to tell you, mister, when God Almighty lines up the spiritual giants, you're going to be surprised who they are. And when you think, when some of the birds that you think are spiritual giants, and the great, right, Robert, most noble, is Steve Doctor, If he gets there, he's going to be so far in the back. Bless God, you'll need a telescope to find him. Amen. Amen. everybody mad say amen just wanted to know if you're listening amen I hate to preach if folks are not listening come on smile lady come on smile if some of you ladies will smile more do a lot more for the ditches in your face and that dime store topsoil you're spreading on amen
1: Try smiling.
0: Try smiling, yeah. God deliver me from this bunch of fossilized dead knots. Bless God, sitting on church pews, right sanctimonious. God Almighty puts a joy bell in your heart and a smile on your face. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Sitting around like God's dead and heaven's bankrupt, and the Lord shut up shop and the Holy Spirit went out of business. Now. Let me nail this down. My time's gone. But I'm going to read the next one. Now let's read it. But I read, let me nail this down. I'm reading Luke 15 22. The Father said to the servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, put shoes on his feet. Bring here the fatty calf and kill it. And let us eat and do what? Huh? What's that? Say that again. Say, say that again. How long has it been since you heard a good hearty hallelujah where you go to church? Huh? So now you started meddling. I'm not meddling. started criticizing. I'm not criticizing. This Bible's a book of hallelujahs. Read Revelation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Like the sound of many waters. Amen. Answer me. Whole book of Psalms is hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. And we go to church on Sunday morning and sit there like a bunch of dignified knots. There's a difference in rejoicing and acting a fool. I'm not talking about acting a fool. I'm talking about rejoicing. Amen. And if you're saved and bound for the promised land, you have something to rejoice about. Amen, say? And the old timers used to rejoice, and you know it, and I know it. In some places, they still rejoice. But they're few and far between. Now, there's a picture of heaven's gladness. That, listen, now look up here at me just one minute. Look right up here at me. Look right here at Oliver Green. Look right here. Did you know... And that precious little Catholic lady that God saved Sunday night. She was back here Tuesday night. She, I, I don't want to exaggerate. But, mister, she had a new face. Not only a new heart. She had a new face. She was beating. And that dear little Catholic woman that went back in the prayer room Sunday afternoon and bowed on her knees and gave her heart to God did you know that when that little woman said yes to Jesus and when that little woman said I received Jesus and when Jesus came into her heart, did you know that what happened in this prayer room Sunday stirred heaven? Did you know that? There's rejoicing in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repenteth, more than ninety nine believers who do not need you. Is that scripture? Says that scripture. Heaven's gladness. And now I close hell's sadness. And I promise you faithfully, I'll just read it and I'll be given the invitation in just a few minutes. I've already seen some precious people look at their watches. Now I know some of them have to go to work. And if it's a necessity for you to leave here, I'll guarantee you, I won't open my mouth when you walk out, but I hope you don't leave unless you must. If you must, if you must go God bless you but please don't go unless, it's, unless it is a necessity and I'll be through in just a few minutes Luke 16 we have what many people call a parable and I, can't, I don't have time to prove it tonight from scripture but I want, to, I want to serve notice on you right now that Luke 16 is not a parable well, you say, preacher. It says it's the top of my Bible, the parable of the rich man and die. These it may say that at the top of your Bible, but some of the things put at the heads of the chapters were put there by men, not the Holy Spirit. Don't forget that. Yeah. My Bible says in Luke 16:19 there was a certain rich man, clothed in purple and fine linen, fed sums sort of every day. And the next verse says there was a certain man named Lazarus. And then it says on down in verse 22. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Now, was Abraham a man? What does he say? Was he a real man? And Lazarus is a personal name. And if the Bible calls two proper names in a passage of Scripture and names two people and one of them is a Bible character, that's not a parable. The rich man's dead and in hell. I plan to meet Lazarus and if you don't meet him, you'll meet the rich man. I hope you don't meet him. Now then, this is a picture of hell's sadness, and I want to show you what it is. I want to show you. You say, "Well, preacher, I've heard all about the fire. I'm not going to talk about the fire. I'm going to talk about something sadder than the fire. Hell's sadness." Now watch it. In verse twenty two, it came to pass, the beggar died and was carried the angel's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he lifted up his what? And hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torment, seeing Abraham far off, Lazarus. and Lazarus in his bosom, he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And said, Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because he said, I am tormented in this what? Say it for me. You know what that is? Flame. Now watch this. But Abraham said, Son, remember, that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus with evil things. But now, now, N-O-W, now, he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Now. Now he is comforted. Thou art tormented The now is understood. And beside all this between us knew you there is great God fixed so that they that would pass from us you cannot neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said I pray thee that now here's, here it is here's hell's sadness. We're going to forget the flames the torment the misery the thirst here's hell's saddest picture. Then he said I pray thee therefore Father that thou would send into my father's house I have five what? Say it. Five. What? Say it. A big family. Five brothers, he makes six, dad and mom makes eight. That's the family I was reared in. There were nine of us, and my baby brother died, leaving eight. A big family. Are you listening? Big families are always closer together than little families. We didn't have to fight with the neighbors. We declared war in our own backyard. <clears throat> you always love your brother better after you beat the fire out of him or he beats the fire out of you. You can't really appreciate your brother until he blacks both your eyes. Isn't that so, preacher? You've got to get at least one black eye from your brother before you know how to love him. And you girls don't appreciate your sisters until they pull half your hair out and spit in your face. Five brothers. I like to think there's one set of twins. And Three more fine young men. And the one dead and in hell. Now I want to show you something. He died. He opened his eyes in hell. He was in torment. He was in misery. He was thirsty. And he said, I want a drop of water. He couldn't get the water. Abraham said, there's a god fixed. Lazarus can't come to you. And he prayed. And he begged, and he he was in agony, he was in torment. And then when he discovered that he couldn't get any water, he couldn't get any ease, he couldn't get any comfort, he couldn't get out of hell, then he began to pray that he'd never lay eyes on his family again. That's sadness, brother. When a person is in a place they can't invite their blood kin, brothers and sisters, that's misery. There he is. Begging, begging, pleading, praying. Now let me close. Verse 28. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them lest they come to this place of torment. Abraham said unto them, There are Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham. But if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded no one rose from the dead. And I'm going to say this emphatically, dogmatically, and without apology. If somebody came out of the graveyard in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, and preached on Main Street, you got some folks here that wouldn't listen to it. they got their hard hearts and stubborn minds made up, and they're bullheaded, headed hard-headed, stubborn, full of the devil, and they're not going to listen to anybody. You agree with me say, huh? Now, here's the picture. Luke 16 testifies that death does not end at all. Luke 16 testifies that eternity does not destroy the memory of earth. He said, Son, remember. In Chambersburg you had good things. Now you're dead and in hell and you can't get one drop of water. In your lifetime you had good things, Lazarus evil. Luke 16 teaches that eternity does not offer a second chance. When you shut your eyes, mister, when you shut your eyes, sister, when you shut your eyes... In death, your destiny is fixed. And you'll spend eternity in hell if you're not born again. Last, Luke 16 teaches that hell is a place. Hell is a place where a daddy dead in hell never wants to see his boys. A mother dead in hell never wants to see her daughters. A son dead in hell never wants to see his brothers. Hell is a place where misery does not want company. The rich man is praying and begging and beseeching that you will stay out of hell. Everything's ready. Come. I've got to look at my ground. I've got to plow my cows. I've got to go on a trip with my wife. I can't eat. Madness. A father is seen standing on the porch every day looking. He stands there day after day looking. And one day the neighbors see him jump and break and run. And they see him meet a boy that's filthy, dirty, and the foul stench of the hog pin on his clothes and the mud of the hog pen between his toes. He needs a shave. He needs a bath. He needs shoes. He needs clothes. But the father fell on his neck and kissed him. And that night you could hear singing and music. They were feasting because a boy that was lost had come home. Amen? Say it. And if one soul gets saved here tonight, heaven will announce it and they'll be singing there. Luke 16. And it came to pass, the beggar died. The rich man also died. In hell he opened his eyes. And after he exhausted, after he had exhausted every means, method, Made every request for himself. He said, Please, Father, send somebody to my daddy's house and tell my five brothers that I never want to see them again. Please. Please don't let them come. Hell's a sad place. Let me say this and I'll close my wife's mother has a very critical case of arthritis you ever seen anybody with their fingers turned all the way in you ever seen anybody huh you ever seen a precious lady or precious man and his knees big as his head and his rest of his legs wasted away huh she lives in agony but I'm going to tell you something brother a broken heart will kill you a lot quicker than arthritis will kill you A sad, crushed, broken heart is much more painful than arthritis. You can take six or eight buffering, six or eight anis and a couple of BCs, or a pill that the doctor gives you, or a shot in the knee, and you can get a little relief from arthritis, but there's not a pill on earth that'll ease a broken heart. Hell is a place of broken hearts. Hell is a place of crushed hearts. Hell is a place of sadness. Hell is a place of sorrow. Hell is a place of regret. Hell is a place. Are you going? You don't have to if you'll come to Jesus. Amen.
1: Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit knbbc.com for Christian music you can trust.